So this morning we're going to be reading First uh, John chapter one verses five through ten. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I was sharing with some people earlier before the service started that um, one of the challenges of drafting a sermon study out of a letter is that the church thousands of years ago broke up this one letter into verses and chapters. And it's an artificial breakage because this is one letter that's supposed to be read all at the same time in the hearing of the, of the believers. And so to try and take portions of it out and not look at other sections is difficult. And so there's an understanding here that like the way it's working out for me is that this idea of walking like Jesus walked, living as Jesus lived, it's actually this, this Sunday and next Sunday we're going to be looking at that concept because there was just too much to get into just one sermon. So what I want to share with you guys this morning is this concept that God is light, that we are called to walk in God's light. As a result, we have fellowship. But then there's a discussion in this idea of walking in the light and having fellowship with God there's this discussion about truth. God is light. We are called to walk in that light. As a result of the walking, we have fellowship. And we'll talk about what that fellowship is. And then we're going to look at the consequences of having sin in our life. I've, I've broken it down very basically for the kids. Obviously, I wanted you to see the same thing this morning. But I want, to, I want to flesh it out some for us. First of all, I really struggled with this concept of God being light. Because in, in, in my, in, as, I'm, as I'm picturing it, trying to come up with a way that works for me, the best that I could picture for me was a, a human being standing in this room with lights coming from all side, completely surrounding the person so that there's this brilliant, brilliant glow all the way around them. And there would be no shadow anywhere. See, if you, if you take any physical situation and you shine a light on the person, there's going to be a shadow 
form behind them from the light that's coming. You know, in other words, if I'm sitting in a photography studio and they've got a light here on me, there will be darkness behind me. But they use that for, for artistic technique. But what this is saying in my mind as I'm trying to picture this, as I'm walking in the light, there is no darkness anywhere around me. I cast no shadow. Because as, as we're going to see in just a little bit, where there is darkness or where there is a shadow, there's the potential for sin. There's the potential for people to be able to hide their deeds or their thoughts or their attitudes. But with the understanding that as I'm walking in this fellowship with God who is light, who allows no darkness at all, therefore there is no shadow when I am in this walking fellowship with Him. I don't have a frame of reference for it in my world here. I shared, I've shared this with, be, with you before, years ago. I, I have in one of my old Bibles, I have in the margin of Psalm 100 and... I don't remember what it is now, 119, 103 I think it is, where there's a, a little stick figure walking in a circle of light that's being shined down from on, t- on top. And that's how I picture my life, that God's word is guiding me and leading me. And as long as I stay within that circle of light, I'm staying within the right fellowship with God and I'm not allowing sin in my life and I'm doing the things that are supposed to be done and I'm, I'm acting the way is expected of me. But in this world, I have no frame of reference for that because even if God's light, sh- I mean, if there's a physical light shining down on me, there's still dark underneath. There's still a shadow underneath. So I don't have a way to describe to you, and I'm hoping that you're just getting this, this visualization that, like I got, that light is just all the way around me, and it's dynamic. It's not static. It's not one-directional. There's light coming from all points, shining on me, illuminating me. There's protection in that. Because the enemy cannot or will not have access to me. Because God is on all sides of me. At the same time, there's caution in that. Because again, as I'm trying to live this life and walk in the light, there's this sense that I have no place to hide. And let me explain what I mean by that. My goal, according to this, is to have fellowship with God and to have fellowship with fellow believers. In so doing, in order to do that, I have to walk in the light as he is in the light. That's verse 7. But then he immediately goes into this discussion in verses 8, 9, and 10 that says, "If say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, blah, blah, blah. If we say we've never sinned, we make him a liar. And so John is telling us that in this discussion of light and darkness and shadow and no shadow, that sin comes into this discussion. And as I was looking at the Strong's Bible to see what the Greek word was, because I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. I, I struggle with the ancient languages uh, to, to have a full understanding. So I depend on other people who have studied and who know. But this, I, this word that is 
translated in, in English, sin, throughout all of this, is the Greek word hamartia, which simply means to miss the mark. Not perfect. Not 100% perfect. And as I have grown up in the Church of the Nazarene, we have a definition of sin that we've used since John Wesley was around when he founded the Methodist Church, and that is that sin actually is twofold. There is an act of sin, and then there is a state of sin. Two different ideas of sin. The act of sin is willful. It's a choice. It's, I choose to blah, blah, blah. Or I choose not to blah, blah, blah. In both cases, they are against what God wants for us. So that sin is indeed missing the mark. It is indeed not perfect. It is this idea that I willfully go against what I know to be the right. Or I willfully refuse to do that which I know to be right. And that type of sin, that idea of sin, is if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But there's this other idea of carnality or unrighteousness or sinfulness and as a state of being. And that's the, that's the challenge in this because there is no differentiation in the words, hamartia, hamartia, but there is this idea of a continuation or a continual cleansing from sin, and let me read that to you. It's it's um, if we confess our sins, He's faithful just to forgive us our sins. And then this second word, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word "cleanse" in the Greek literally means to continue, 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 a continual, always cleansing. Well, if I, if my sins, my acts of disobedience have been forgiven and removed from me, cleansed by the blood of Jesus then what is the need for this continual cleansing? And so what we understand from the teaching that we've, got, we've inherited from John Wesley and from others is this idea that there's this, this nature, this state of being called the carnal nature or the, um, uh, uh, the, the, the sin man or the, in, in, John, I mean, in Romans chapter 7, Paul describes it as this body of death. It's this thing that always wants to go against what God wants. And we're told that if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us sins, but he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So there's this sense that this, this carnality, this bent towards doing what we know we're not supposed to do, that is continually raising, trying to raise itself up. God's Holy Spirit has the power to cleanse that. Now, Years ago, when I first came into the Church of the Nazarene, there were some theologians that, and, and they actually use this word in the manual. If you go back through our article of ten, our article of faith number ten, through the history of it, you'll see this word. It was called eradication, and scholars have recognized that that was faulty. They should not have used that word, and they've since removed it from our article of faith. But this idea of eradication was this idea that um, God removed the carnality from us. In the act of entire sanctification once and forever. So you will never, ever, 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 ever struggle with the temptation to sin again. Well, in practice, we kept realizing that that just wasn't what was real. The reality was that every single day, temptations come my way. 
But what can happen is the draw can be killed, if you will. The Where once I had no control and I just did it, God, through His power, through His Holy Spirit, can cleanse or make right that carnal nature. And the end result is that you no longer have the issue. Let me give you a for example. There's two different two different um, object lessons that I've learned through the years that I really like and I use a lot. Number one, imagine that you own a tree on your property and it is a valuable tree and it is one that provides you shade and you really enjoy it, but there's a problem with your tree. When you, owned, uh, when you first bought the property, you didn't realize that this was there, but there was a parasite that had embedded itself into the bark of your tree. And this parasite had grown to the point where it was literally sapping the life from the tree and inhibiting the tree from being able to be fruitful and to grow properly and to to provide good shade and to do everything it's supposed to do. And the only way to get rid of that parasite was to bring in a professional because for years you had been cutting it back, trying to get rid of it, trying to stop it, but it continued to continue to continue. And the roots of this parasite got down into the wood of the tree, the pulp of the tree. And you had to call in a professional who knew how to deal with this parasite. And this professional came in and was able to remove completely that parasite. Now, there may still be some scarring, there may still be some damage, but the parasite was no longer in control, the parasite no longer became an issue, and the tree could finally fulfill its destiny as the tree that God originally created it to be, because this parasite was now gone. So the tree is now in complete health and able to do what was it, what it was created to do. However, the professional who came in and removed that parasite didn't destroy every spore on the face of the earth. And so there's a potential that another spore of that same type of parasite could come and land on this tree and find home there. And if it is not immediately removed, immediately tended to, it could again begin to infiltrate the bark and the wood and grow and become again an issue where it brings death ultimately to the tree. And so in my mind, I, if I likened that to the carnal nature, I was thinking, well, God removed the carnal nature from me, but I have to continually guard that I don't allow that darkness to ever come back in again. Not that God can't take darkness away, but we are in this kind of symbiotic relationship with God where we depend on Him and He depends on us. Because if He didn't depend on us to quote-unquote maintain ourselves, then we would never struggle again with sin on this earth because the power of God would just take it away, take it away, take it away. Another person years ago we had a youth, uh, a young adult Bible study that met in town here from this church. And we were talking one night about this idea of carnality and how do you deal with it. And one of the young men shared something, and I don't know where he heard it or if he made it up himself, I don't know. But again, it struck, a, it struck something in me that worked. And what he said was he likens it or he understands entire sanctification to being he's a grand piano. 
And he is playing the piano, and all of a sudden, one of the strings goes out of tune. And if he doesn't call a piano tuner in to fix that, he can never play what he needs to play because that will always be a mess. But once the piano tuner comes in and makes right what's wrong because the peg that was the tuning peg had failed, had been damaged, and it had to be replaced with a new tuning peg. And once he did that, now the piano played beautifully and everything, and music could come from that music. And he, could, he could make beautiful, beautiful music. But if he never called a piano tuner in ever again, the potential would be there for that peg to loosen again and to actually become even worse than it was before. And the end result was he could lose the ability to play that piano. So there had to be a continual calling on the piano tuner to come in and just make whatever adjustments were necessary. Now, I've had discussion after discussion after discussion with pastors and other professors at Bible college sharing these stories, and there's there's flaws in any analogy, okay? So don't say, well, that makes perfect sense. And yeah, we, this is what Pastor Sugden said, we need to do this. But the reality is, is that you need to come up with some way of understanding that the, the, that the Bible teaches, number one, God created humanity for fellowship. That's the goal. Number two, willful choice, willful sin in our parents, Adam and Eve, caused this carnal nature to come. Every single human being has it. Every single human being struggles with it until God, in His power, writes it. Now, does God remove it? Does God fix it? Does God adjust it? That's God's business. What I understand is that I have to walk in the light that God has given me. And as God reveals things to me, I need to turn it back over to Him. If I'm walking down the street as this crystal, and all of a sudden I fall into temptation and I sin, now darkness has come back into my life. And I have to be sensitive to that and ask the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse me again from this unrighteousness that I allowed into my life. If I don't, and I continue to walk in this with this stain of darkness on me, and I allow more to come in and more to come in and more to come in, at some point the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 that there's what's called apostasy. Where a person who has once tasted of the heavenlies, a person who has been in fellowship with God, but has allowed the enemy back into their life, can literally fall away and no longer have fellowship with God. And so what John is saying to his hearers and what we're supposed to be hearing this morning is God is light. God desires fellowship with us. God has made it possible for us to have fellowship because of the cleansing of our sins and the, and the cleansing of our carnal nature to empower us to walk in this light. But we have a role to play. Our role is A, we have to be, we have to confess our sins initially. God's not just going to remove the sin. Our part in this is to say, God, I'm sorry that I have offended you. I'm sorry that I have sinned. Please forgive me. Please make it right. Please cleanse me from this darkness that's, that I've allowed into my life. God removes it. He's faithful and just. He will cleanse us. And then as we walk this light, I mean walk in this light and continue to walk in this light, we recognize that there's this thing inside of me that just doesn't want to do what God wants to do. And every time I try to do the right thing, there's this draw to do the wrong thing. This pull to go against, to allow darkness back in. 
And I have to ask God to deal with that as well. And in His power, through the power of His Holy Spirit, He cleanses us, continual, ongoing, cleansing us, writing that piano tuning peg, guarding against any spores of parasites coming back in, protecting us, and us at the same time in this fellowship together as we walk in the light. We're watching for darkness to come in. We're making sure that we set up hedges to protect us so that we don't go where we're not supposed to go or do what we're not supposed to do. We're making, we're setting up boundaries for ourselves. Not because we can't go there. We could go there. But in my case, I can't go there. Because I know that that will be an area where I will fall. That doesn't mean every Christian can't go there, but it means I can't. Because I'm trying to guard myself about allowing any darkness to come back into my life. And you know what your barriers are. You know what your limitations are. You know where you are weak. You know where the enemy has the greatest opportunity to have access to your life. And as a result, you have to guard against that. And then pray, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you please remove any and all darkness that, has allowed, that I've allowed to encroach back into my life. Because the whole point of this is we are to walk in fellowship with Him and with each other so that the darkened world will have the light of Christ. And if we don't do all of that maintenance on a regular and daily basis, if we don't stay in fellowship with Him through regular prayer, through regular reading, through fasting, through attending worship services, through gathering together as brothers and sisters in Christ, then the enemy is going to have opportunity for us to get back into the darkness. Because we will become careless, tired, just lackadaisical. We will just allow things to happen. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, look, that TV. Oh, I shouldn't have watched that because that's that bad word. But the next time, eh, it's not that big of a deal. The enemy is constantly, the, the Bible tells us he is like a roaring lion. The book of James says he's a roaring lion seeking to devour. Constantly on the prowl, looking for opportunity to come in whenever the, the opportunity presents itself. And our job as Christians, Paul, John is saying, is to guard against that. Now, if you remember back what we said as I'm getting ready to close, what we said last time that we were together, the reason for this writing was that there had been a, a teaching that was taking hold in the church that was heretical, Gnosticism, that there was evil and dark and light. And, and so that's where, why a lot of this imagery is coming out. Because he's trying to help them to understand who Jesus is, who God is, and how it relates to us. And there's this, that we're going to see much more in the coming days. But what we're focusing on just this morning and, and next week is this walking in the light and walking as Jesus walked. If you look in Jesus' life, and again, we'll get more to it next week. But if you look in Jesus' life. There's not a single thing recorded about Jesus that you can ever see where he sinned. We're told in the Bible that Jesus is the only human being who ever lived, who never sinned. And we're supposed to be like that. Obviously, it's too late for us to say, I never sinned. The Bible clearly told us just here, right here in this passage, if you say you've never sinned, you're a liar. But from this point on, from this point on, how are you going to live? And there's an intentionality about it. Because God uses us to reflect his light and his love. And so we need to keep that prism clear and clean. 
I mean, even with this, I had to wash that prison because it was covered in dust. I didn't realize how dirty it was until I took it out of our window. I mean, who washes and dusts the prison in your window? <laughs> but I pulled it down and I went, ugh. <laughs> so I went and I washed it with soap and water to make sure that it was right for this. And again, that just spoke to me. You know, daily maintenance, making sure that you don't allow anything to hinder the light from coming in, to be refracted. Let's pray. Father, this has been tough. This, this teaching is, I mean, it is so rich and so full, but it's been tough. And I just ask, Lord, that you would settle it deep down in our hearts and help us to understand the depth of this, to learn to apply it to our lives. Help us, Father, to indeed walk in the light as you are in the light and to have fellowship with you and with each other, Lord. Walk with us now, God. Go with us as we go from, our, from this place to our homes. And may we honor you by shining your light, Lord, in Jesus' name.